That's the most fantastic story I've ever heard. How can you make up a thing like that? What do you know about it? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Friday, TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And happy, as always, of a Friday. Most Fridays, in fact, thank goodness. We're on the air due to the Herculean efforts and general intelligence of the man we call bad boy, Benny Mathers. Benny, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I'm going to treat myself to fudge because today is National Fudge Day for being and giving you the Herculean uh, uh, abilities. So I will reward myself with that on top of uh, having a great Father's Day weekend ahead. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Happy Father's Day in advance to you, Benny. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate yes. that. You, Your twin powerhouses are doing well, I trust. <laughs> uh, they are. And actually, their last day of uh, sixth grade is today. They will be finishing up here as looking at my clock in about 52 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad all the way around. Always good to be working with you, Benny. Pleasure. Today, Suzanne, we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be talking about reincarnation, but when we say that, 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 it's like holding the big umbrella up over our heads and for all our listeners, because under that umbrella, there's a whole lot to discuss, and I know that there's one book in particular you wanted to talk about, so we booked our guest today, read the entire book, and boom, Suzanne, the man did not disappoint. I'm talking about Rob Schwartz. Your Soul's Plan is the name of the book, Discovering the Real Meaning of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born. I'm going to go ahead and read his intro from the book, and then we're going to get right into the interview, if that's okay with you, Gary. Sounds great. In a personal session with a medium in 2003, author Rob Schwartz was astonished to speak with non-physical beings who knew everything about him, not just what he had done in life, but also what he had thought and felt. They told him that he had planned many of his most difficult experiences before he was born, realizing that a knowledge of pre-birth planning would bring great healing to people and allow them to understand the deeper purpose of their life challenges, he devoted the next three years to studying the pre-birth plans of dozens of individuals. The extraordinary insights that emerged speak to our heartfelt, universal yearning to know why. Right now we want to know why we're on the phone, but we're working to get back up at Zoom as soon as we can. But we are very happy to welcome Rob Schwartz being with us today. So welcome to Manson Mitchell, Rob Schwartz. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you, Benny. It's a pleasure to be here with all of you. I I have to tell you, earlier this week, I was on a telephone call to my cousin Kathy in Flagstaff, Arizona, and I said, oh, Kathy, I am reading the most fascinating book, and I wanted us to just talk about it one of these days, just like spend the whole time talking about this book. It's called Your Soul's Plan." discovering the real meaning of the life you planned before you were born. She says, is that by Robert Schwartz? 
And I said, yes. And she says, I'm looking at it on my bookshelf. And that's very flattering. I'm glad you shared that with me. Well, yeah, that sounds like talk show gold to me to have that story. I mean, you talk about an organic conversation. Suzanne mentions it, talking to her cousin out in Flagstaff. We live in Florida, and we have you in common. Yeah, that's quite a coincidence. But, uh, you know, in my belief system in which we plan our lives before we're born, it isn't really coincidence. Probably all of us talked about doing this interview before any of us came here. That's quite a way of, of working, looking at the world. And Gary and I have talked with other people before about reincarnation, about the life between lives, what is happening in the spirit world. But what we read in Your Soul's Plan was really an expanded version of all of that. And in some ways, in order to even have the conversation, we have to realize that reincarnation is kind of a given. It's not just a theory, but in the, in the talking that you did with mediums and the talking that we have done with mediums, it seems that they all believe in reincarnation. Did you start in that place yourself when you started looking through this? You know, I was always open to the idea of reincarnation, uh, but for a good portion of my life, I, I didn't know quite what to make of it, and frankly, didn't really think that much about it. I wasn't on a spiritual path until the age of 40, and that started in 2003, kicked off by the session with the medium that you referenced. But that was only one of three pivotal things that happened in 2003. Another one, I was introduced to a woman who has the ability to go into hypnotic trance and channel her own soul. So I actually spent about 15 hours talking with her soul about how we plan our lives before we're born, and in particular, why we plan our challenges. That's the focus of all three of my books. Why do we plan big challenges for ourselves before we incarnate? And the other thing that happened in 2003 that put me on this path, I had an experience in which in the middle of a weekday afternoon, I was doing nothing more than walking down the sidewalk. And I had an experience of divine unconditional love for every person. I call it divine unconditional love because that's as close as I can get in English. But there are no words that can even begin to describe this feeling. It, it was not a human kind of love. It was transcendent. And I felt it for every single person I looked at. So the combination of these three things, the, the experience of unconditional love for all people, that woman's channeling of her soul, and the session with the medium in which they told me all about pre-birth planning, that prompted me to leave the corporate world where I had actually been for a number of years. And then, as you said in the intro, I spent the next three years researching many, many people's pre-birth plans, partly through the assistance of mediums and channels. Uh, I also do it through a particular form of hypnosis I practice called a between-life soul regression in which somebody can find out directly by speaking themselves to non-physical beings, what they planned, why, how they're doing with their plan, and how they can better fulfill it. So at this point in my work, I've looked at thousands of pre-birth plans. 
And we do, in fact, plan our lives in considerable detail before we're born. It doesn't mean that everything is set in stone. Almost everything is set up as a possibility or a probability. And then which ones actualize depend upon your free will decisions. So there's this very intricate, elegant intersection between free will and pre-birth planning. The, the whole idea intrigues me no end, Rob, I have to say. I wonder, for example, and I will talk about this with Suzanne just in casual conversations. Yeah, I wonder if people sign up for things that, on the face of it, look tragic, tragic outcomes, people dying in bizarre ways, in violent ways, under oppression in some cases. And I ask myself, seriously, in my most rational mind, why would anybody sign up for that? If they did, they must have a purpose that's being served by this experience, but I sure wouldn't wish to have the same experience. I go out of my way to avoid that kind of trouble, and uh, I get negative outcomes now and then. But I'm talking about some really serious, crazy stuff. Imagine if you were, for example, Rob, let's say that uh, you plan to be a toddler in Ukraine in sometime in the last year, and you're there what power do you have? What self-expression, other than your cries, your torment, your fear, would you be expressing in that situation in a way that would be prompted by a choice you made between lives? To be present as a toddler for the war in Ukraine on the receiving end of all those drones and missiles and bombs. That is extraordinary to me, and I confess to you, I've never been able to figure out why. I, I will grant you it is very difficult to wrap a human brain around that question. Uh, and I had the same reaction when I first learned about pre-birth planning. It, it was relatively easy to accept the idea in regard to something like, for example, a physical illness. We all know people who get you know, cancer or something and they grow as a result of the experience. So that's relatively easy to understand. But a child in the Ukraine or something like that, yes, tremendously difficult to wrap your mind around. Um, perhaps it would be helpful here to give an example. So you, you mentioned not understanding people dying violent deaths. Uh, why, something that I know a little bit about is that tsunami that hit Southeast Asia a number of years ago. You might recall 100,000 people or so were killed in that tsunami. Yeah. So in the channeling sessions we've done for my three books, uh, we've, I've talked with spirit guides, angels, ascended masters, loved ones on the other side about events like the tsunami. And in regard to the tsunami, what spirit told me was that those 100,000 people got together before they were born and they chose a common mission. We all choose a mission. And what they chose, they said, essentially, we want the Earth to be at a certain vibration or frequency by a certain point in linear time. And if it looks as though it's not going to get there, we agree to give our lives in large-scale natural disaster because we know the result of that disaster will be this worldwide outpouring of love and compassion that will elevate the frequency of the entire planet. Well, you might recall that's exactly what happened. You had all the governments of the world temporarily put aside their differences to coordinate funneling aid into Southeast Asia. That worldwide outpouring of love and compassion 
raise the frequency of the entire planet. So from a human perspective, of course, it's a terrible tragedy. But from our perspective on the other side, that worked out exactly the way they wanted it to work out. The other thing to keep in mind here, your perspective when you're back in the non-physical realm is very different than it is when you're here in body. From the non-physical, you know that a lifetime is actually very brief. It's here and it's gone, like a clap of thunder. You know also that nobody is permanently harmed by anything that happens here. And you are acutely aware of the fact that the wisdom you will acquire in a lifetime will become part of you, part of your soul, literally for all eternity. So from that perspective, that a lifetime is actually very brief, nobody is permanently harmed by anything that happens here, and yet the wisdom becomes part of you literally for all eternity. From that perspective, it actually does make sense that some souls, not all, but some, would plan very, very great challenges. Well, I thank you for that explanation. It, it clarifies quite a lot for me, actually, Rob, because I think in terms of the soul and the various expressions of the soul, and we really get into the metaphysical weeds when we talk about this, I realize, and I guess that's the point of our getting together today. When I think of the soul, it's like what Emerson referred to as the oversoul. That's a great way to conceptualize the soul, the oversoul, and we become participants. And every life is, and I'm using my own words now, in, a, in every lifetime, we are in another play or another movie, and we will play our roles. Perhaps we're even the director. Perhaps we're producing something. But inevitably, as you say, life is short, a clap of thunder. We are done with that lifetime, and like an actor out of work, you're looking for another role. You're looking for another stage. And I think about that, and I go, I can, I can put these tragedies into perspective better without completely understanding the how and why. When I think of people who have however many lifetimes, maybe you have one where you're going to uh, die when you're a teenager, but your presence in a situation changed family history or did something local to promote love and understanding or to highlight something that needs to be healed in the world, and you use that lifetime. It's not squandering it, it's investing it, and you remain a soul that has endless expressions here and in the eternal place where time is not measured and they don't have calendars. The only way I can put it together in my own head, Rob, well, the way you, you phrased it is spot on. That's exactly my understanding as well. In other words, we're all eternal souls. We temporarily put a portion of our energy as a soul into a physical body, and we play this role that we have scripted with a lot of other souls before we're born. And what I found in the, the research for my three books, and let me mention quickly, if I may, the website is YourSoulsPlan.com. And people can read large parts of the books for free on the website. What I found is that there are a number of specific reasons for planning challenges, but they all have a common denominator. If you distill them down, the common denominator is that we are learning lessons in how to more freely and fully give and receive love. That is the bottom line reason why almost every single person is on earth. We're learning how to more fully and freely give and receive love. And I want to emphasize giving and receiving are equally important from the soul's vantage point. 
the flow of love in the world is circular in nature. If you cut the circle in half, half of it is giving love to other people. We all believe this is a good thing to do and we all try to do this, but it's actually only half the circle. The other half of that circle is receiving love from other people. So if you are someone who does not allow others to give love to you, you're actually blocking the flow of love in the world just as effectively as if you never give love to anybody else. And again, that's what we're learning to do here. Can you hear me now in the, in the Zoom mic? Yeah, we got you back. Yeah. Great, great. Gary, if you want to join me in the studio, I think we're back on. You know, Rob, when we when we read your book, you I think one of the biggest distinctions that you made was the difference between the personality and the soul, because we have a tendency to blend those two things together. But what the what the soul wants is a whole lot different than what the personality wants. And when we were reading it, and and in your book, you have a lot of these great examples about different kinds of lives that people set up. And it begged kind of the question of why do we incarnate? What is it that the soul wants to do? Because it seems like when we are coming here for these challenges, we're coming here to have a lot of problems. Well, there are problems as defined from the perspective, the very limited perspective of the personality. But from the soul's vantage point, these are healing and growth opportunities. So let's explore another one of the major motivations for planning challenges before we're born. Through working with uh, people who have the ability to do this, I was able to hear the conversations that had taken place in people's pre-birth planning sessions when they planned their biggest challenges. I listened to many, many such conversations. And over a period of several years, I started to notice that when big challenges were being planned, a lot of the conversation at the soul level revolved around the soul's desire to cultivate and express while in body certain qualities that are very important to the soul. And certain qualities came up again and again and again. So I compiled a list of the ones that were being discussed the most often. And I call these divine virtues. They're qualities that are important to your soul. And what the soul wants the personality to do is, number one, cultivate the virtues. And number two, express them almost always in some form of service to others. From the pre-birth planning perspective, challenges are viewed as providing both the opportunity and the motivation to cultivate the virtues. And the virtues are things like unconditional love, compassion, empathy, faith, trust, patience, and so on. In the online workshops we do, we actually do a divine virtues exercise where you can figure out which ones you're working on in this lifetime. There are about 28 on the list that we work with. The average person is working on two or three virtues in a lifetime. Occasionally, somebody's working on four or five. As far as I know, nobody is working on more than five. That would be too much for anybody to take on. So let's take a common example. Uh, let's say that you are somebody, a soul, 
whose pre-birth intention is to cultivate compassion. So what you would probably do is set up the most common type of pre-birth plan, which I call a learning through opposites life plan. The soul learns best by first experiencing the opposite of what it eventually wants to learn or cultivate. So if you want to deepen in compassion, a common pre-birth plan would be to incarnate in a nuclear family in which you will be treated by agreement with a profound lack of compassion. The absence of compassion in your external environment is intended to drive you within, where hopefully you will cultivate self-compassion. And then the other half of the pre-birth plan would be to take the compassion you cultivate for yourself and at some point later in life, turn it outward in service to others. Give that compassion to others through whatever means it is you choose to use as your form of expression. So this kind of learning through opposites plan is very, very effective because we learn through the experience of contrast. In other words, how do you really know what compassion is if you have never experienced a lack of compassion? How do you know what unconditional love is if you never experience what I refer to as not love? And so on and so on. You can ask that question in regard to all 28 of the divine virtues. This is how we as souls evolve by incarnating on the earth plane. My, my understanding of the big picture when I read your book, and this was something that, that really was driven home to me, was in the other realm, what we call the spirit realm. And, and in that realm, it is all love. It is all um, peace, serenity. And the reason that we might want to choose to incarnate is to deepen those feelings because it is, it is difficult and maybe hardly possible to do that in the spirit realm where you have no duality, where you don't have the light and the dark and the negative and the positive. And so um, we incarnate in order to um, have that duality, have that experience. And so then, then that's part of that setup in the pre-birth planning that, that you're going to have the opposite of what it is you want. It seems to me, Rob, in a normal person's life, or most of the people I know, by the time they get to middle age or and, and a little bit older, we think of them as being wiser or having grown up. And I'm wondering how many of these life experiences we learn from so that we are getting those lessons. It, 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 like the older people are generally going to be wiser if they have awakened. Does, does that make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. And what, what I saw in my research for Your Soul's Plan uh, and the other two books as well is that whatever lessons you plan to learn before you're born, if you don't learn them the first time, it's going to come back around. And if you don't learn it the second time, it will come back around again. Uh, and not only does it come back again and again until you learn the plan lessons, there tends to be this pattern, which I've seen again and again, 
it will come back around each time in increasingly intense form. Uh, for example, years ago, I worked with a woman who planned a spiritual awakening before she was born. She planned to achieve the spiritual awakening through a severe automobile accident. So when she was middle-aged, she had a car accident, which actually did not trigger a spiritual awakening. Then about a year later, she had a second and worse car accident, which also did not trigger the spiritual awakening. And then about a year later, she had a third and even worse car accident, which did trigger a spiritual awakening. If you see that kind of pattern in your life, where the same type of challenge keeps recurring, particularly if it recurs in increasingly intense form each time, that is your soul really trying to get your attention about something. Look very closely at that. Uh, also, I wanna pick up on what you said about contrast. And I'm going to use uh, a metaphor and analogy here from a book other than one of my own. Uh, there's a, at least within the New Age community, uh, a series of very well-known popular books called Conversations with God, uh, which are channelings of God or source, whichever term you prefer, by a gentleman whose name is Neil Donald Walsh. So in one of the Conversation with God books, the idea of planning to experience contrast comes up. And God asks Neil to explain it using the analogy of the white room, which I want to share with your listeners, because I think this really illustrates what we mean by contrast. So God tells Neil, use the analogy of the white room, which goes like this. Imagine that you are a white being in a white room. So you are white. Everything in this room is white. The ceiling is white. The floor is white. All the walls around you are white. Everything is white, including you. Now, if you are such a being in such a room, how do you know that you're white? The answer is you actually don't. And in fact, you can't until you experience something that is other than white. Then once you've had that experience, then you understand much more deeply what it means to be a white being in a white room. You mentioned that the other side is a realm of complete love. That's my understanding as well. It's also my understanding, and this comes directly from that spiritually transformative experience walking down the street that I spoke about, that we are made literally from the energy of unconditional love. So if we're made from unconditional love and we're in a realm of only unconditional love, then we experience no contrast to ourselves, which in turn means we don't fully understand or appreciate what it means to be a soul made from the energy of unconditional love. So we come here for the not love, the contrast, because that way, by the time you go home at the end of an incarnation, through the experience of the not love, now you understand much more deeply what unconditional love really and truly is, which is another way of saying you now have a much more profound self-knowing. That, I think, is what the soul is doing here on the physical plane. The other thing that is in your book is that you must experience these things 
you can read about them, you can hear about them from other people, you can see them on television portrayed as entertainment or news, but until you personally have that experience, you don't get it at a fundamental soul level. Do I have that right? Yes, that is what I have seen in my work. So let's get into a little terminology here. The universe, the vast majority of the universe, as I understand it, is non-dual in nature. Non-dual meaning not two. By non-dual, I'm referring once again to this idea that the non-physical realm is a realm of complete, absolute, unconditional love. There's no contrast to the love. That's why we come here, because it's here where you have the contrast. Here you're in duality, as you mentioned, love, not love, up, down, left, right, black, white, hot, cold. There are many manifestations of duality, and love and not love are one of those. When you have the experience of the contrast, then you learn much more profoundly who and what you are as a soul made from unconditional love. Let's go ahead and take our break. We're unpacking a lot here talking with Rob Schwartz. Robert Schwartz, if you look at the cover of his book, which is beautiful, actually, very nice job by somebody, Your Soul's Plan, that's the title you want to remember, Your Soul's Plan, discovering the real meaning of the life you planned before you were born. Reminds me of an old Zen saying, you know, show me your original face, the one you had before you took birth. Robert Schwartz, Rob to his friends, is our special guest this hour. Let's go ahead and take our short break. And when we come back, we'll put you in touch with Rob as we go into what we like to call our marketing piece. And he can tell you how to get the book and how to get in contact with him directly. Thank you so much for joining Manson Mitchell. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. 
We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Nance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Robert Schwartz, who's written Your Soul's Plan, Discovering the Real Meaning of the Life You Planned Before You Were Born. Rob, if people would like to get your books, and this isn't the only one you have, if they want to get your books or learn more about you, what are the best places for them to do that? Well, the website is YourSoulsPlan.com. The moment you get there, there will be a pop-up that allows you to sign up for the newsletter I would invite everybody to sign up for the newsletter. That'll keep you informed as to everything we're doing. Uh, if you go to the sessions page, you can read about the between life soul regression, which is the form of hypnosis in which you can find out what you plan for this lifetime and why. And there's actually an hour long video of a between lives regression on that page. So you can see exactly what it consists of. And then, on, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, on the events page, we have some events coming up. Uh, July 6th, we're doing a free Zoom call for 90 minutes in the evening, uh, 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. West Coast. We do these free evenings uh, usually once or every one or two months. And it's just a time for people to talk about whatever they'd like to uh, related to pre-birth planning. On July 11th, we have an empath workshop. My wife is an empath. And what we have found, and she's experienced this herself, that uh, being an empath can be enormously challenging because, for example, she'll talk about going to the grocery store and somebody who's in a state of extreme anxiety or depression will round the corner with their grocery card and she's hit by this wall of anxiety or depression that then lingers uh, in her energy field for hours or days afterward. So we've found some ways to help people turn that around so that being an empath, we call it your superpower. Instead of it being something that can drag you down, how do you utilize it as a skill, a superpower to serve humanity? So the empath workshop is July 11th, July 18th. 
We have our monthly uh, membership and mentorship program. This is the third Tuesday evening of every month. It's called Rise to the Path. It's a community of uh, like-minded, like-hearted, spiritually focused people who support each other in all aspects of their lives. So if you're looking for community, Rise to the Path uh, is there. And July 22nd, uh, we have a workshop, a group between live soul regression. You can do the regression either as a private session alone or in a group workshop online. It works equally well both ways. Uh, it just depends on your personal preference. But this gives you an opportunity to ask any, literally any question you have about your life. And if it's for your highest good, you'll receive an answer. So people generally ask, what did I plan? Why did I make those plans? How am I doing in terms of fulfilling my plan? And how can I better fulfill my plan? And then there are workshops on an ongoing basis. Um, there's one for the higher self. How do you build a stronger connection with your soul so you can receive more guidance? And we have another one called star souls. A star soul is a term we use for somebody who comes from a far away civilization, usually a much more highly evolved one than earth. Star souls have a tough time adapting to earth. They tend to feel out of place, like they're very different from everybody else. They tend to see a lot of human uh, customs as senseless and even barbaric. If you've ever felt that way, you're probably a star soul. And in the star souls workshop, we give people tools to turn that around and turn that into a superpower as well. Uh, so lots going on. Just check out the events page at yoursoulsplan.com. Excellent. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate that. We've all had the experience at one time or another of meeting somebody for the first time and feeling like we know them and, and feel a connection to them. And I, I wanted to read just a little bit, a, a part of your book from page 194. You say, part of the pre-birth planning is learning to recognize certain physical identifying markers. 98% of the time, there are markers embedded into the unconscious of a person that help them to recognize soulmates in their lives. By soulmates, I knew Stacy and her guide meant important people, not just romantic partners. It's in, it was interesting to me that in the pre-birth planning, the sometimes the people who were going to be part of your incarnation showed themselves as a parent or a child or a boy or a girl. And it, it that would be like, this is what I'm going to look like when we're in this life together. But also this idea of having these markers embedded into your unconscious so that there will be times where you will meet somebody and you will instantly feel connected to them. And, and, to me, that says, well, here's somebody from my soul group. Have, have you had that experience where now you, you look at it differently? Well, let me start by giving credit where credit is due here. This idea of establishing markers so that we can find and recognize each other. This was a discovery made by a gentleman named Michael Newton back in the 1990s. Newton is the person who pioneered 
the field. He called it life between life or LBL regression. It's the same thing as a between life soul regression. The form of hypnosis I practice is the field of hypnosis that he actually created. And what happened for Newton, as I understand it, he was using hypnosis for fairly conventional purposes back in the 90s. When one day, all of a sudden, uh, he had a client who, without any prompting from Newton, the client went home. He transitioned consciously back to the other side. And then he started to describe to Newton in extraordinary detail what our lives on the other side are like. So he told him about the homes we create for ourselves, the classes we take, the games we play, which, by the way, there are no losers in the games we play on the other side. They are set up so that everybody wins. It's based on unconditional love. But the client told him everything about life on the other side. Well, Newton realized, of course, that he was on to a major discovery. So he shifted gears professionally and created this field of LBL or life between lives regression. Uh, what happens in this kind of regression, we start with some preliminary steps to help you relax physically and then mentally. And then uh, I guide you or the group, if it's a group, into a past life. It's almost always a past life that had a big impact on the plan for the current lifetime or is in some other way thematically related to the current lifetime. You experience four different scenes in the past life, the last of which is the death scene. The portion of your consciousness that is having this experience leaves the body in the death scene and crosses over to the other side. You go home, so to speak, which I realize might sound a little bit ominous, but there's actually nothing to it. It's very gentle and very safe and very natural. When you get back to the other side, you could be greeted by a loved one, an angel, a spiritual figure of significance to you. Most people are greeted by a spirit guide. You talk briefly with whoever greets you about why you were shown that particular past life and how it's relevant to your current lifetime. And then you ask whoever you're talking to, to take you to what is called your council of elders. Your council consists of the very wise, loving, and highly evolved beings who oversee your personal evolution. They know literally everything about you, everything about the plan for your current lifetime, everything about every past life you've ever had on Earth, every past life you had on any other planet, every non-physical experience you've ever had. They know everything about you. And again, you can ask them literally any question. If it's for your highest good, they will answer that question. People come out of their session with the council, and they often comment on two things that stand out to them. One, the unconditional love they feel radiating from the council. And they will say things like, this is the first time I have felt that kind of unconditional love. They also talk about the complete non-judgment of the council. They'll say things like, I could tell that my council knew literally everything about me, including all the bad things I've done, but they loved me unconditionally anyway. And you know, for the average person, that really is their first experience of true unconditional love since coming into body. So it's a profound homecoming and awakening uh, and potentially a life-changing experience.
You know, um, one of the things that I think is so interesting about all of this is that you can have several lives where you're working on the same thing. And at some point you, you talk about having an awakening and it's, it's almost like a completion of the issue. You've had several lives where there there's uh, been a relationship issue or a career issue or, or something that has happened that it's like, finally you get it. Finally, it's it like the dawn breaks and, you know, you have a new love for yourself and for your life that kind of moves you beyond what you came here to experience. And in that way, you are not just helping yourself, but it's like you are helping all of all of human existence somebody once said to me when you clear something up in this lifetime it affects all your lifetimes and i thought that was kind of an odd thing but in a way it really makes sense that um that everything that we create for ourselves would have that ripple effect and and you talk about that ripple effect so that it isn't just that it does you good it does everybody good who who is at the effect of that one ripple and that it does have more to do with our our vibration than anything else because we're all vibrating at a certain level and and when it is when it when we're not spiritually inclined or when we're we're new beings, we're kind of vibrating at at the low physical level, but we can learn to vibrate at a higher level. Well, everything you said is spot on. That's exactly the way I understand the universe to be set up. In regard to energy, you know, there's only one field, one vibratory field. So we're all connected in this field. Due to the limitations of the five senses, the average person doesn't perceive these connections, but they are there, believe me. And this is why, let's say, for example, uh, that I master forgiveness in this lifetime. That was my pre-birth plan. And through a series of life challenges, uh, I master the divine virtue of forgiveness. Well, within that one vibratory field that connects all of us, the mastering of forgiveness has now created an energetic pathway that makes it easier for literally every other person to master the lesson of forgiveness. When you master a particular lesson, it's like you're, you've got a machete and you're using it to hack a trail through dense jungle overgrowth. Well, once you've hacked that initial trail, it lingers there. You know, maybe the plant life fills in a little bit, but you've now hacked a trail through that dense jungle forest. Anybody else who wants to walk that trail now has a much easier time of it. That's how we're all connected and that's how energy works. 
I'm curious about one thing in the few minutes that we have left, Rob. Have you worked with people who came in as one gender and thought, geez, I made a mistake here. I actually feel like I belong in the other gender. I don't know if that is the trans experience. My main concern is that their rights be respected and that they are accorded proper respect and honor. It's quite a challenge to go through that kind of experience, to be born a gay male, to be born a lesbian, to be born with the capacity to make a decision about changing your gender from one to the other. How does that factor in? We're down to about two and a half minutes. But in brief, have you dealt with people who've had to face that dilemma and come up with an explanation for it? Uh, I have. And uh, let me say that in my second book, Your Soul's Gift, there's an entire chapter about the pre-birth planning of sexuality. And the person who is the subject of that chapter is a, a gay man. And we explore in considerable detail why he chose to be gay in this particular lifetime. Uh, my wife is a channel. She channels a collective, a group consciousness that we affectionately refer to as the beings of light. And my wife has a, a very good friend uh, going back to high school. So they've been friends for 20, 30 years now, uh, whose son, who is in his early teens, has started dressing in a somewhat feminine way and using a little bit of women's makeup. And when he started doing these things, my wife's friend, his mother, was extremely upset and alarmed, and she wondered, what the heck is wrong with my son? So she came to my wife and asked my wife to do a channeling for her and find out what is going on here. And what the Beings of Light had to say about this was deeply healing and helpful to her. They said, your son's pre-birth plan is to be a pioneer. And what he is pioneering is the understanding that love is love, no matter what it looks like outwardly, no matter what it looks like sexually. Spirit would like people to learn the lesson that love is love, period. And so the son is a pioneer who is teaching that. So, you know, one of the things I've learned in the research for my books over the years is that very little of life on earth is as it seems on the surface. You know, you would look at that situation with my wife's friend and her son, and on the surface, you, would, you might have some judgments about it or just some confusion, maybe a little bit of fear, doubt, worry, uncertainty, what's going on here. And then you find out that it's part of the pre-birth plan. And as with all pre-birth plans, it was chosen in great wisdom and with complete unconditional love for every single person involved and for the benefit of all beings, for the benefit of all humanity. Oh, Rob, we're going to have That's a, a lot. We're going to pick up the threads here next time. Good thing for okay. a pioneer to do. Absolutely. Yep. Rob, thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking with you today. My pleasure. All right. And stay tuned for Trip Talk at one o'clock today. We hope you have a great weekend, everyone.